Hi in the hills of Happy Valley, Oregon. Welcome to Until We Meet Again, brought to you by the kind support of Cornerstone Funeral Services in Boring, Oregon, and friends like you. I'm Elizabeth Fournier. This radio broadcast is an expression of our common ground and mortality, because after all, we are all in this together. Today's reading is edited and adapted from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Though the waters therefore roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling, there is a river, the streams that make us glad, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heavens. I will be exalted in the earth. When faced with potential imminent death, I think most people suddenly find that life really takes them into this whole new perspective. Suddenly they start having these feelings like belongings that maybe they've accumulated. They all sudden might seem meaningless and relationships that have formed and love that shared all of a sudden take on great significance, definitely as they should. My guest today is Dr. Liz Gwynn. She's the author of Amazing Stories of Life and Death. These are true accounts of angelic, afterlife, and divine encounters. So Dr. Liz, when you first wrote this book, you were Liz Gwynn, MSN. So you had a master's of nursing, and now you have a doctorate of nursing. Um, Just really quick for housekeeping purposes, what does that mean that you're a doctor of nursing? Well, really what it means in any field is that you have the highest degree in that field. Like there's there's other doctorates out there besides just a medical doctor. There's doctorates in nursing. There's doctorates in the business world. Mm-hmm. It just means that we've obtained the highest degree you can get in your field. So on your lapel at work, does it say, um, you know, registered nurse or, or doctor, or how do people address you in your workplace? Well, they professionally, I am addressed as Dr. Liz. I usually say, call me Dr. Liz. But, you know, some people will say Dr. Gwen. And um, as far as, like, signature, it would be Liz Gwen, D-N-P, comma, R-N. You know, it, 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 you'd st- we'd still spell out that we're RNs because people might not recognize what DNP means, but it, it, but we are addressed as doctor. So you're a girl, if I was going to buy you stationery, let's say, for a present, it might not be best to monogram it because it seems like you keep changing the letters at the end of your name because you've got so much education. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the doctorate came after the book came out, and um, I actually just got that doctorate in 2018, and um, it, it'll go on, you know, books going forward, but right now, this will stay like this, except mm-hmm. for there's a special edition of Guideposts coming out for the book in April, which it will be a DNP listed there because it's, you know, it's new. They're doing new things with it. Are these God posts or guide posts? What did you say? Guide posts. Okay, and tell tell us about this on the website that's coming out. Well, what's happened is that this this book, Amazing Stories of Life After Death, came out in 2012. Well, um, in November of last year, I got a notification that Guidepost, the the people at Guidepost wanted to connect with me because they are re-releasing the book. 
as a special edition of theirs in April this year. So it's still going to have a similar title. It's the same book. It's just I've added on a chapter. And then, of course, my credentials will be my updated credentials. Mm-hmm. So that that's only available through Guidepost, though. It has to be bought through them where the, my original can be bought through Amazon and bookstores. You know, in this book, you share these experiences of yourself, also real life stories from medical professionals and first responders, and they're obviously very inspirational. When you could rewrite, was there a story or so that you thought, oh, it's got to make the second edition? Well, what they asked me for, you know, if we're specifically talking about what Guidepost wanted in that extra chapter, what they asked me for was what's, what's changed? since the first book came out. And so what I gave them was, and, it's, and they wanted it from something that happened to me. So the story that I shared with them was that it kind of went back in history a little bit to the 90s, the late 90s, when my dad was passing away. And he, he passed away really quick. He got diagnosis of cancer, and, and in three months he had passed away. But one of the days uh, he had got, he had been in the VA hospital for like a month, and we finally got to bring him home. And he wanted to go to Walmart. You know, everybody loves Walmart. Mostly, everybody loves Walmart. I know I love Walmart. I'm there <laughs> every day, but it just makes people feel good to go to Walmart. You know, and they get to see people and you know, hang out and buy things. And it just there's some freedom about Walmart. I don't know what it is. But it's just the way it is. But Daddy wanted to go to Walmart because he hadn't been anywhere but at that the VA hospital, you know, tied up with IV lines and stuff and tests and radiation and just pain and misery for a month. So we got in my car, and I was driving him to Walmart, and we were going down. It's called Epworth Church Road. We were just, just barely on past his house. And um, when he never talked a lot. My Daddy never talked a lot. But I just had this feeling And it kind of just popped out of my mouth, and it had not been something I had been planning on doing because I was done with school. I had my associate degree in nursing, and I was done with school. It was so stressful. But it just popped out of my mouth. I just said, Daddy, I'm going to go back to school to be a doctor. And he had had this really worried look on his face. Of course, you know, you know that your your life is ending. I, I mean, can't even imagine the thoughts that he was having. But I feel like he was probably thinking about his kids, too. You know, what about things I wish I had done, different things like that or whatever. But I just saw that melt away. I just saw that worried look on his face and his countenance just melt away. And he just looked like, he, he looked like I lifted a burden off of him, which, I, you know, I, I couldn't confirm it because he didn't say it, but he, his countenance changed so much. Well, anyway, I took him on to Walmart. He enjoyed that. And then just shortly after, he passed away. Well, just fast-forwarding to, um, you know, when I graduated in 2018 with my doctorate, I had, uh, we were, it took me, you know, a long time, I've been in school my whole life, but when it was getting close to us graduating, you know, we're like a month or two away from graduation, and I just said a prayer, and I, you know, I just said the prayer, I said, God, you know, if you will, just please tell my daddy that I am getting my doctorate. You know, I, that's, I just said it like that. And then, you know, went on. I was so busy. But I was sitting on the front row. It was the day of graduation. And the people who get the doctorate sit on the front rows. And uh, I went to school at Gardner-Webb University, a wonderful Christian university. 
And we were all up on the front row in our doctorate garb and stuff and watching all the other people go across because we're called across last because they do special things for doctorate receivers. So I was just sitting there, and I just felt Jesus. I felt his presence. I felt him walk up. And what I was feeling him do was walk down the row of us receiving our doctorate. And he stopped where I was. I literally felt his form, his presence. And he put his hand on my head, and I could just feel his presence, you know, and his, his love just moving through me. And he told me, he said, I brought your daddy with me today. And he and he told me that he was anointing me for a higher uh, promotion, which, you know, a doctorate is a promotion in, in the education world. And I just, when he told me that, I was like, that is just so, I had such a hard time just holding it together because he brought my daddy there, you know, and it may be hard for people to believe something like that, but when you experience it and you know it, you know it's real. And I, I knew it was Jesus, and I know what he said, and and he, he did the very thing that, like, tied up the year that my daddy died, 1996, and the thing I said in the car, he tied it up on the day I graduated in August on August 4th, 2018, of bringing daddy to graduation. So... I knew the whole thing was God. You know, I knew when I was in the car that God is the one that had me say that because he had a plan for me I didn't know about. I had no plans to go back to all of that school. You know, I was done. So it was just special. And that, that was the addition that I put into the God Post special edition that comes out in April. Do you feel that people listen when God is speaking to them or showing up in their life so clearly like he did with yours? I think it's easy. It's I've, it's been like that my whole life, even when I was a child. Now, we did not grow up in church. I mean, we were far from, had really broken family. And so we weren't taught God. We weren't prayed with. We weren't taken to church. We weren't nurtured and all of that. But when I look back, he's always shown me things, and he's either given me dreams or visions. I didn't understand them when I was a child, but when I became an adult and I was following him and I was reading the Bible, I could put the pieces together. You know, there's just things that happen in your life, even if you're a kid. It could be a vivid dream or a vision, or you're saved from something and you don't understand it when you're a child, but when you're grown up and look back, you know it couldn't have happened if it wasn't God's intervention. So I think that some people, maybe they, the Holy Spirit may speak to them, you know, that inner voice, or however he may speak to them, but sometimes we brush it off because it is so different. It's so different than how we'd normally think, and it's so different than something we would actually do. Like, I'm, I'm a pretty, I'm a, a serious thinker. Like, I have, I have to think about things for a long time before I make decisions. But when the Holy Spirit speaks to me, it is so different than something else, anything else I would do, that I really stop and I think a little quicker about that. And I think, well, you know, that is so far out there. I know that's not me. And you know when it's God, it's not a bad thing. You know, you, like, for instance, me writing this book. All night long, I kept having dreams about writing words on paper. They were just flying onto the paper, being typed onto a paper. And I would be woke up with the word as loud and clear as it could be, book. 
and it happened all night long, over and over and over. And by the morning, I got it. I said, okay, Lord, you want me to write a book? I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm a nurse. I've never written a book, but I'll do what you tell me to. And so that's what birthed Amazing Stories of Life After Death. I wrote it. And what where it, what it came from was all those supernatural experiences and encounters that I had had taking care of patients. And it pretty much started immediately when I first started nursing. There would be just out-of-the-ordinary supernatural things that would happen with my patients or I would have a vision and go to work and there that patient is that I've never seen before in my entire life. And what I had in the vision in the night played out with the patients that I was taking care of that day. So things like that kept happening to me. And again, you just can't forget stuff like that. You just remember the details. And I started journaling things because I thought my life, things that happened in my life were way, you know, different out there. So I would journal them, but then some things were just so, uh, there's no way to forget them. Like some, some of the things that's happened, I may not have journaled them, but there was no way to forget the details because they're so impactful. And so when he told me to write the book, I said, tell me what to write. Well, that, that wasn't very hard because up, up to that point, I had been a nurse for several years, plus in my childhood, you know, and all the experiences. So I was able to put a lot down in a book. And then as I was telling people about what I was doing, then there were all these other people like first responders and nurses who had these really awesome stories that they wanted to share too. So we put them in the book too. But sometimes people dismiss the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I caution against that because if it's something you've never done, maybe it's like just a really strange dream like I have a lot of dreams but they usually are kind of literal if I dream of something coming up like a a tornado then the next day I wake up you know frazzled by it but within the next day I figured out what that meant like maybe there had been a fallout in our family a big blowout somebody got in an argument and we always get past them but the Holy Spirit will warn you of stuff like that. Things are coming up, and you just pray, God, I don't know what this means, but help me figure it out, and I know I need your help to get through it. And so it's, there's just so many different ways he can speak that it's just slowing down and thinking, is this from you, God, and do I need to do something with this? What I have found that is all our answers all come from within, and we can pray for peace to help make all of these challenges and all of these unknowns work out. And do you find yourself praying for peace for your patients? Well, in in the crux of the work, you are so busy through the day that you definitely are praying as you're going. <laughs> you know, but then I've, for instance, I have a story in the book and his, I call it Doug's Revenge. And it, it, was, it came across when I was a travel nurse and working in a burn unit. That's a place I never wanted to work in my whole life, but it was just a day shift position, and it was a travel position near home, and I'd been away from home for quite a while, and I just wanted to be a little closer to my mom for a while. So I took it, and I met Doug as a patient on the burn unit, and he had something called necrotizing fasciitis. And I know this is a little, uh, you know, uh, probably detailed, 
but it was all around the inside of his thighs and, and took over his pelvic region, all everything that is there. And it was just really bad, really deep, really bad. And it was clear we knew that his prognosis was bad. People typically don't live from necrotizing fasciitis, and his was extensive. And so I built a relationship with him as a patient. You know, I tried to talk to him and laugh and get to know him, but I always plugged in, you know, Jesus loves you, and I would ask him, you know, Doug, would you, are you a Christian? Do you know him? And Doug didn't. Doug was actually a drug dealer, and he was in his 50s, but he looked like he was about 85 mm. and still lived with his mom. So, uh, no, he wasn't, and he admitted he wasn't. And I'd say, well, you know, Doug, I am happy to pray with you if you want to ask Jesus to come here. And he would always tell me no, always tell me no. And so I would always leave with a burden on my heart for him because I knew he wasn't going to make it. I knew it, but I don't think that he was processing the fact that he wasn't going to make it. And naturally, people are in denial about dying, especially living a life like he did, and it all came on so fast. So I would pray for him. You know, I'd wake up in the night and I'd be praying for Doug. And then I'd go back and keep on talking to him and offer again. And so one of the times, one of the final times that I was there taking care of him because he was about to be moved to another unit, not so critical in the burn unit. He's like going to be moved to a step-down unit. And uh, he, he I offered again, but we talked. We would talk. It wasn't me just saying, you know, I'll pray with you. Do you want to pray and ask Jesus into your heart? We would talk. We would have conversations. And then it led into our conversations for, about Jesus, about, you know, the love of God. And he shared with me that the reason that he was not going to do that is because that he had to get revenge on one of the people that owed him money for drugs before he was going to get his life straight with, with God. And there was no talking to him out of that. And he was determined to get revenge. And I knew he'd probably never make it out of the hospital. So I had like a three-day run of being off work. And in one of the nights, right before going back to work the next day, I had this vivid vision. And Doug was in his hospital gown, standing on his on two feet, which he didn't do in, in the hospital. And he was walking toward me. And I could hear his thoughts. He said, I didn't let you pray with me because of pride. And so I woke up thinking, whoa. I mean, it's so piercing and so vivid. Well, what in the world? I am going to see him today when I get to work. I'm going to go find him. And so when I get there, he's gone. I didn't know they had moved him. And they told me where he was, so I went to the room to find him, and he wasn't there. So I went back to, and, and went on break, and there was a nurse assistant sitting in there, and I just was asking her, what happened to, what happened to Doug? And thank God this woman knew. She said the other night, or the night before, I don't remember what she said, but she said what happened was he, he, he started going bad. His health started going downhill. He started, you know, it was time. And Doug, she was in there taking help and take care of him, and Doug asked to speak to the chaplain of the hospital. Anyway, she told me that he did 
get things right with Jesus. And and then shortly after, he dies. And I'm like, I am... Then I could piece it together, what the vision was all about. Because what I was thinking was, God was giving me inside information that Doug didn't want to pray because he had too much pride. And so I thought, well, we'll have other conversations, and maybe we can work past that. But when I get there, the whole thing was, I feel positive, it was the Holy Spirit was letting me see him because he had just died. And, and for some reason, he brought him to me, and he gave me an explanation of why he didn't let me pray with him. But the great thing was, God put it together for me to have a break with this nurse assistant. And again, I'm a traveler, so I didn't, I didn't know these people. I didn't know these staff, so it was all just God's alignment. And, and for her to tell me that he had got things right with God and died shortly after. So it was, it was, it's just amazing the things that have played out in my work field that, that are supernatural and that are God, you know, that are spiritual. In your work field, then do you see a difference in nurses who have a faith base versus nurses or caretakers who have no faith? Um, that's a hard question to answer because where my focus, and, and I learned that because I learned to focus on more than just the person, what they were saying and their help. And I kind of learned that the hard way because I was always very timid and didn't, and I, and very scared because you're not supposed to share your faith, you know, in the workforce as a nurse. And, and like that in many places. And you have to have like a spiritual uh, so-called open door. And, and that wasn't a problem for me anyway. I was too chicken to do it anyway. But I learned the hard way that you got to speak up. There is just a time and a place you have to speak up. So as far as those who are not faith-based, it's really hard to say because I don't know what they're thinking. And, you know, I don't... I just say all the time, Jesus, I just don't, I don't know how people live without you. <laughs> I could never live without him in my life. I could have never made it through all the things I've made it through, nor experienced the things I've experienced without him. So to be without him just seems so void to me. But the nurses who who are not, um, you know, believers, they still take care of their patients. They still take very good care of their patients. And I think they still, that's what they're there for. There, there's this love that God has put in all of us that no matter where, whether we're following him or not, love is from God. And so when he created us, we just have this built-in love as, as humans. You know, most of us, I know there's some drastic situations that maybe some people freeze up and that's not there. But as far as nursing, I think that in general, that is what nurses do what they do for because they truly want to help and they truly want to have an impact in people's lives. But then you have the other set of us, and not all of us as Christians do this because, you know, there's rules. You're not supposed to speak up about it. But because of things that God has taught me, I've looked for those opportunities. And many times it was just what the patient needed. You know, they needed that other part that is the most important part. It's the eternal part of our lives. 
We just have a few minutes left. I wanted to ask you, was there any story that somebody shared with you or relayed to you either firsthand or maybe from knowledge of somebody else that really was just spiritually life-affirming for you? I know you've got great stories in here. There's the cage and then there's the angel with the four-year-old. But is there one of these you can think of where you think, oh my gosh, and it was really just altering for you? Um, oh gosh, they're all so good. I think the one that's most altering for me is not, not one that somebody else shared with me. If that's okay. It's, uh, the story of Cassie who tried to kill herself and her family just fell apart. And so she just decided to take a bunch of pills and run herself into an 18 wheeler, which exploded and she should have died. And she did die in the crash, but they brought her back and, too much of her body was burned. I mean, it was nearly 100%. She didn't have any skin. It was awful. So by the time I came around to the burn unit, she'd been there about six months. And I, she was such a train wreck is what we called it that I never wanted to take care of her because I wasn't experienced in burn anyway. But sure enough, one day a charge nurse gave her to me, and I'm like terrified. And I'm going in there just overwhelmed trying to figure out what to do, and she starts mouthing something, and I'm like, I don't understand. I don't know what you're saying. And then she has this little pad that she could write on, and she says, I can't breathe. And next thing you know, she stops breathing. So we get everybody in there. We code her. We resuscitate her, bring her back around. And when I know that she's stable, of course, everybody leaves me, and I'm in there with her by myself mm-hmm. again, terrified. But then she wants her pad. And, and for some reason, I could understand what she was saying a whole lot better. And she couldn't speak. She had a tube in her throat. But anyway, she started writing something. She says, uh, she says, well, what I did was I started getting in a conversation about Jesus because I had no clue. And I thought, this woman just almost died on me. I got to find this out. And so I got in a conversation about, you know, do, do you know Jesus? And she was telling me no. She didn't know anything about any of that. She didn't know anything about the Bible, none of that. And so then she starts writing on her little scribble pad, and she says, I want to tell you something, but I don't want you to think I'm crazy. And I said, don't worry about that. Just tell me. And so what she did was she wrote down what happened to her, and I don't think she ever told anybody else in her whole life, as short as it was after the impact, that when the accident happened or the impact happened, she was in a cage with a bunch of hideous creatures torturing her. That's where she was when she died. And, you know, our paramedics brought her back. And I always wondered, why would somebody not sign a DNR? Why would somebody want to live in a body like that? It was awful. I can't describe how bad it was. Why would somebody want to live like that? Why not sign a DNR and stop being resuscitated? Well, then I knew. When she told me what happened, then I knew she was terrified to die more than to live in that body because she didn't want to go back through that again or be there again. So I said, you know, we got the solution to that. So she and I prayed the prayer of salvation. She was crying, and and she, and she I read her scripture. And every time I would see her, she'd want me to read her scripture. And then a couple of weeks, weeks later, I go into work, and her room is empty. And I'm thinking, well, maybe she got well enough to have one of them surgery skin grafts they were trying to do. And so I asked her, I said, where's Cassie? And I said, well, she passed away. And I thought, you know... That's God. He would be so merciful. Although that living in her awful body, it was awful. He was so merciful that he knew she was terrified to die again, and he gave her that time 
to stay until somebody showed up to give her the opportunity to pray and and be saved. And now, you know, after that, she could go. No scare. She didn't have to be afraid. She could be with Jesus and is, you know, with Jesus, Jesus for eternity. That's probably my favorite experience, my favorite story of all. And I think it's just so powerful. It says so much. Yeah, that was one of the questions I was going to ask you if we didn't get to it. I was going to say, tell us the story of the cage, because that definitely is amazingly powerful. And what an angel on earth you are, Dr. Liz. You've been listening to KKPZ 1330 AM, The Truth. Thank you so much to my guest, Dr. Liz Gwynn. She's the author of Amazing Stories of Life After Death. And until we meet again next week, be excellent to each other.